Good morning. On September 26, 2006, I was on the phone with my therapist. How's that for the start of a message? And I asked her if there was a God and could he possibly have anything to do with how my life went? She said, what do you know about love? I said, what's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. All right, we're gonna have some fun today. You guys are good. And she proceeded to tell me about love. She took off her therapy hat and she put on her Christian hat and she told me about the love through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in an instant, I was transformed from 45-year-old Jewish atheist to 45-year-old lover of Jesus, Messiah, Yeshua. completely transformed, and Yeshua is a Hebrew word for salvation. That was my moment, and it has been my mission because it's God's command for the last 12 years to make sure no one has to wait as long as I did. So that's why I am so excited about today. We're gonna be continuing our series in Romans. We're going verse by verse through the book of Romans for the entire year. Romans chapter one, verses 14 through 17. These are Paul's I am's. So we're gonna pray and then we're gonna get right into it. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that you have ordained every single person to be in each particular seat. Reveal yourself today, Lord. Unveil what you have for us through your word in Jesus' name, amen. The title of the message today, it's pretty complicated because Paul's three I am's are basically him saying, I am under obligation, I am eager, and I am unashamed. So the main title of the message, obligated, eager, unashamed. Make it real easy on you today. And to make it even easier, check it out. Here are the three takeaways. If you get away with these three things, it's a win today. The good news of Jesus, which my therapist shared with me, the good news of Jesus is for everyone. Second thing to take away today, the good news of Jesus is not something that we can earn. We can't earn God's favor, we can't earn his love. He loves us because he loves us. It says in Zephaniah, he dances over us, he sings loudly over us, not because of anything we do, but because of who he is. And the third thing, this good news has got to be shared. The good news of Jesus must be shared. We come out of that today, it is a win. Because we'll share anything, right? Anything good, in no specific order, the best pizza we've had, the taco truck we like, the Netflix series we're binge watching right now, tidying up with Marie Kondo is ours. <laughs> got a couple of Marie Kondo fans. I love how she rolls up the shirts the KonMari method, we'll share anything. If we had the cure for cancer, we'd shout it atop the mountain. Well, we've got the cure for eternal hell. We have the cure for eternal separation from God because of our sin. Spoiler alert, it's Jesus. You don't have to wait until the end of the message. You guys can go home. You guys can go to Chipotle, get in line, go ahead. 
It's Jesus. The good news of Jesus Christ is what my therapist shared with me over the phone. She told me that God loves me so much that he sent his perfect holy son to live here fully man, fully God, to live a life that I could not live, which was a sinless life. We're gonna see that in Romans chapter three, verse 23. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, meaning nobody is perfect except for God. And then, and then he says in chapter six, this is wild, there's a penalty to sin. The penalty is death. Happy Sunday. The wages of sin is death, but there's good news. This is why it is a happy Sunday, because Jesus came to pay that penalty. That's amazing. Somebody's going to come pay the penalty that we deserve. And Jesus died on the cross. Three days later, God raised him from the dead, defeating death, allowing us a life abundantly here and a life eternally with him in heaven. He walked around, 500 people saw him walking around after he rose from the grave, documented, and then he ascended to heaven where he sits at God's right hand right now, ruling over all things. That Jesus, that's the good news. That's what she told me. But we're afraid to tell people. I don't think it's a coincidence that I read a blog this week and it referenced a study that just came out last week that 50% of all millennials who profess to believe in Jesus Christ do not think it is proper or even right to share their faith with their close friends and their family members that believe something else. 50%. And the illustration he used, the guy who wrote the article said, I had a dream and I saw my friend, my close friend on his judgment day because we're all gonna face that day where God is going to call us to the judgment seat. And he says, I saw my friend as God passed judgment on him for not trusting in Jesus for his salvation. And my friend turned around and looked at me in horror and said, you knew? You knew about this and you didn't tell me? For 45 years, nobody loved me enough to tell me that. You may say, that's pretty harsh. Your parents love you. Yeah, they love me, but they don't know Jesus. I had Christian friends who didn't love me enough to tell me that. So this is why I'm pretty fired up to go tell people about Jesus. Let's get to verse 14. Paul says he is under obligation. This is amazing both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Paul was obligated, which is a Greek word indebted to. He was indebted to Jesus because of what Jesus has done for him. So not only does he see the transformative power of the gospel, because remember, before that, that time on the road to Damascus, he was killing Christians. He was Saul, he was Jewish, he was a Pharisee. He was killing Christians and then, transformative moment on the road to Damascus and he is a lover of Jesus and he becomes Paul and he writes all of this. He not only gets that, but 
as a Pharisee, and he was, as Pastor Jason said, the Pharisee of all Pharisees, he was a first ballot Hall of Famer Pharisee. He had everything memorized in the Old Testament. He would have called it the scriptures. He had the Torah memorized. And he's seeing all of the things that were prophesied in the Old Testament, and he's going, that was Jesus. All the way back to Genesis, Genesis chapter three, verse 15. The Messiah, the anointed one. Or in the Greek, the Christ would crush the head of the serpent. That was Jesus. That he would be born a virgin in Bethlehem. That's in there. That's in the Old Testament. That was Jesus. He's realizing all of this right now, that it's right here. He would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. That was Jesus. From the Christmas message, he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. That was Jesus. He'd be pierced for our transgressions in Isaiah chapter 53. Crushed for our iniquities, meaning he would die for our sins on a cross. That was Jesus. Paul is seeing Jesus all over the Old Testament. I got a chance to tell my dad that a few weeks ago. Jesus is all over the Old Testament. He said, I didn't know. I said, that's okay, Dad. I didn't know it either. 1 Corinthians says the, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. I get that. I was making fun of Christians my whole life until that day in 2006, mocking them as they were going to church. Of course it was foolishness says the Jewish people were waiting for a sign. Well, in the words of Bill Engvall, the comedian, there's your signs. <laughs> They're all right there. So Paul is obligated. God had entrusted Paul with something. And Paul now is under obligation to pass it along to others. My therapist was entrusted with the gospel because somebody passed it along to her. She entrusted it to me. I am now entrusted with the gospel to pass it along to others. Remember the first part of this, this message series three weeks ago. The gospel comes to us in order that it might go through us. Excellent. Not only were you paying attention that day, but you have incredible recall. And then Paul says, it's for everyone. To the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and the foolish. See, people were separated into two categories. What he's talking about here is not a barbarian as in unrefined like the three stooges, like Mo, Larry, and Shemp, or Mo, Larry, and Curly, depending upon your preference. I was a Curly fan. I don't know, you might be a Shemp fan. Uh, He's not talking about that. He's just talking about people that spoke a different language. If you're Jewish or Gentile, you spoke Greek. If you weren't, you, you were just in another category. He's saying, basically, the good news is for everyone. The good news is for the rich or the poor, the educated, the non-educated, the Clemson fan, the Georgia fan, the Tech fan, even the Alabama fan. <laughs> I know. I know. It's crazy. I was on a plane in the fall. We were going to a conference and the plane landed and I'm wearing a Clemson hat and a guy stands up, young guy, probably 18, 19 years old in the, across the aisle and he's wearing Alabama gear. I'm like, here we go. <laughs> and as the plane is taxiing, I knew I only had a couple of minutes 
And in those three or four minutes, I got his story. I shared my story. I told him Jesus' story. And as his tears well up, I asked him, do you want a relationship with the one who saved my life? The one who delivered me from the bondage of addiction? The one who has given me freedom? And he just nodded his head. So right there, as people are trying to get their luggage, they're trying to get off the plane, they're trying to get to a connecting flight. I was like, hang on, I got a, I got a connection going on right here. And I, and I put my hand on his shoulder and we prayed and he trusted in Jesus right then and there, which, which really was my first Clemson, Alabama miracle. <laughs> Second one was on January 9th this year. There you go. There you go. But it doesn't always go like that. And I, and I get that. And we'll get to that. But what I was doing was sharing good news with him. That's what my therapist shared with me, good news. The gospel means good news. Euangelion. You, good, angelion, message. Good message, good news. But for it to be a message, for it to be news, it has to be delivered. We have to speak this. We can't just walk around doing nice things. That's awesome. But we've got to speak these life-giving words. We've got to open our mouths. Paul is eager to open up his mouth. He says so, verse 15, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. He wanted to go tell everybody. He was having a pretty rough time getting there, but he wanted to tell everybody. He says, so I'm eager. One translation says, that's why. I'm obligated because this is what Jesus did for me. That's why I am eager. He has an indebtedness to Jesus based on the eternal life-saving message of the gospel. I feel that. I feel that eagerness based upon that. Now, I didn't go to Rome, but I have been to Lawrenceville, <laughs> which is on another planet. And we were there in October, and we finally got home to Canton at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I sat down to watch football. I think Clemson was playing NC State. And my wife said, hey... My phone is in the car. And me, you know, posture of a servant, I said, you get it. <laughs> so there I am in the car looking for her phone. <laughs> and and it, it wasn't there. And I came inside, I went upstairs, it wasn't upstairs. And then I remembered, I, I've, got, I've got that, that app on the phone that says, find Leanna's phone again. And, and so I pinged that and there it was. 24 miles away in Sewanee. There ain't no easy way to get to Sewanee from Canton. So there I am in the car driving to Sewanee and, and I'm thinking about all of these ways, all of these ways that, that God could possibly be using this lost phone to bring the gospel to somebody. And I, I'm planning this out. I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna preach the gospel. The phone was at a QT. Phone was at a quick trip. So I'm planning on walking into the quick trip. Pff, here we go. <laughs> and I walked in and it's packed. It's a Saturday afternoon. People are coming back from the lake or they're going to the lake. I don't know what they're doing, but they're buying yoo-hoos and ring dings and slim jims. And, and, and I went up to the counter and I said, did anybody find a phone? And the guy opens up the drawer, he takes out a phone and he yells, 
So every, even in the bathroom, they heard, you mean the pink bedazzled one? <laughs> yeah, that's mine. <laughs> and, I, and, I hear, and I hear somebody say, I would just die if I lost my phone. Game on. <laughs> and I said, you know, 12 years ago, Jesus changed my life. I'm not afraid of dying, let alone losing my phone. You would have thought I was from another planet. <laughs> it got so quiet in there, and I panicked. I just panicked. And I ran out of that QT like Napoleon Dynamite at the end of the talent show. <laughs> I, I could not get to my car fast enough. And, and I got in the car and I'm sweating and I, my heart's beating and I, I get back on the road. I want to get home. And I get about halfway home and I start thinking, okay, well, that was a fail. But maybe, maybe God's going to use that. And I had a picture of heaven. Some guy walking up to me. Pink bedazzled phone guy. <laughs> I remember that day. I didn't know what you were talking about, but then a few weeks later, somebody else came up to me and started talking about Jesus. And then somebody else a few weeks later told me about Jesus and asked me if I wanted the trust in him. And here we are. So God's gonna use our failures. God's gonna use those seeds that are planted. Somebody else is gonna come around and water them and he's gonna do the saving. Our, our failure is not fatal. Our failures are not fatal. Our failure to open our mouths and share is fatal. Because somebody might someday look at you and say, you knew? Paul says he's, he's not ashamed. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation, the rescue from the penalty of sin that I talked about earlier. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. You know, for, for someone to be unashamed of something or someone, they've got to be pretty special. I am unashamed to introduce people to my wife. She's awesome, she's cute, she's adorable, she's funny, she's incredibly generous, she does a great Sean Connery impression. There's a lot of things about my, my wife that I love. I'm unashamed. But what Paul's talking about here is, is not that kind of unashamed. This is more unashamed because in his humility, he recognized he couldn't get this on his own. Somebody had to save him outside of his own control, outside of his own power. And for guys especially, that's hard to accept. We won't ask directions when we're lost, will we? No, we'll drive 50 miles out of our way just to say we're not lost. Home Depot was created to fuel our arrogance that we can do everything on our own. <laughs> I get there and sometimes I can't find something. But man, I don't want to ask anybody. I don't want to go up to somebody and go, where are the light bulbs? Because, you know, I'm a, I'm a DIY guy. <laughs> Gospel's the same way. 
I can't get there on my own. There's nothing I can do to earn it. I need someone else to help me. So that's what Paul is talking about, being unashamed to ask, will you save me? So he's going to Rome to do this. And if you were here last week, you found out Rome was not party town. Well, Rome was party town, but not party town for Christians. Nero was taking Christians, putting them up on crosses and lighting them a fire in order to light up the Appian Way at night for the chariots. It was not an easy place for Christians to be unashamed and eager. But Paul, Paul is fired up. And he says it's for the Jew first. You see, the the gospel was for the Jewish people. God loves the Jewish people. God's favor is upon the Jewish people. We'll find out in Romans chapter 11 that the Gentiles were simply grafted into the fulfillment of God's love in the Old Testament. The good news for the chosen people, my people, the Jewish people, then to the Gentiles through the Jewish people. Yeshua, Messiah, he he was Jewish, born of Jewish parents in a Jewish land, had Jewish customs, the prophecies written by Jewish men. His disciples were Jewish. Of all the people that should have gotten this, it should have been us. But we missed the sign. But we don't have to miss it anymore. It's right here. In chapters 9 and 10 of Romans, you're going to hear Paul's heart for the Jewish people. He's going to say, my grief and my sorrow is so great for my people, for the people of Israel, that I would give up everything. I would die in order that my people would come to know Yeshua, come to know Jesus. So Jesus was willing to die. Paul is willing to die for his people. What are we willing to do? What are are we willing to, to do? Paul was imprisoned. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked three three times. Gilligan, one time, made a big deal out of it. (laughs) Tom Hanks, one time, made a movie. He was robbed. He was hungry. He was thirsty, all for the sake of the good news. And we're afraid to go tell our neighbor, let alone invite our neighbor to church. And instead of neighbor, insert coworker. Insert classmate. Insert parent of a kid on the other team or on my kid's team that I spend every Saturday morning with. Think about one of those people on their judgment day looking up at you and saying, you knew? Let's get to verse 17. Foundational to the whole thing. For in it, the gospel, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed or unveiled. Something was uncovered. Something was hidden. Now it's uncovered, unveiled. What what is the end of every home improvement show called? The the reveal. The reveal. So it's, it's revealed from faith for faith as it is written 
the righteous shall live by faith. God reveals it to us because we would have never gotten it on our own. People were trying. People still try. Beating themselves up, trying to do good works to get to God. But instead of trying really hard to gain righteousness, which is a word that just means adjustment to God's standard, this is saying we can't do it. It's impossible to do that. John said God's standard is perfection, that in him is, is no darkness. He is light. There's no possible way we could live up to that perfection. We're not compared to the guy next door, and we're not compared to the serial killer. So when it says all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, we are compared to a perfect, righteous, holy God. No one is good enough. But again, here's the good news. God in his infinite, passionate, unfailing, forever love for us doesn't require righteousness. He gives righteousness. Free to those who trust in Jesus and have faith. And it's power. He says it's power of the gospel, not only to reconcile us back into a relationship with the one we were separated from because of our sin, but it's also the power to go into every aspect of our lives. So you may have trusted in Jesus, but are you allowing him to get into every aspect of your life, your marriage, your parenting, your finances, your work life, your hobbies, everything. It's power, it's transformative power. And it's free. And it comes through Jesus. The realization of the righteous shall live by faith. And it's in quotation marks. It's from the Old Testament. It's from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Can't be attained. That's what that means. It can't be attained. It can only be received. And what this does, it takes us out of a posture of prideful independence, where I was for 45 years, I can do this on my own, and puts us in a posture of humble dependence upon God. We only have faith, this is mind-blowing, we only have faith because God gives us faith to have faith in him. What? We only have faith because God gives us faith to have faith in him. So that's why Paul is eager and unashamed and therefore obligated. But sometimes we're not eager. I get that. And sometimes we might be ashamed. So what what prevents us from sharing the gospel? Let's just get real here. What prevents us from sharing the gospel? We might not know it. That's an easy fix, no worries. What I shared in the beginning of this message, that was the gospel. So you may have trusted in Jesus, but have never fully articulated that to somebody. We can take care of that. You might be afraid of what people think. I get that. I have been rejected hundreds of times. Hundreds of times I have been rejected. But the gospel is not only foolish to those who are perishing, check it out, it's offensive to people. You're going to get the Heisman sometimes. You're going to get rejected. 
Because people don't want to be dependent on someone. And that's why it's offensive. Now, I share the gospel almost every day. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm saved. But I'll fess up. I'm fearful every time. I'm afraid of what somebody might think of me. I'm afraid of rejection. What if I don't have the right answers? But it says that the power is in the gospel, not in my right answers. God's gonna do the saving. We've just gotta start talking. Mark Cahill, basketball player at Auburn a while ago, played with Charles Barkley. He wrote a great book called One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven, which is tell somebody about Jesus. They already know. And, and he says, everything is going to be a win if we just open up our mouths. Lead somebody to Jesus, that's a win. Plant a seed and have a, a horrific fail like I did at the QT, that's a win. Bring somebody back into the relationship that they used to have with Jesus, that's a win. Get rejected, that's a win. Blessed are those who are persecuted for his namesake. So I get that we might be afraid, but it's the best gift we've ever received and it will be the best gift that you'll ever give. I mean, what if you're at your own funeral and you hear people whispering, I had no idea he was a Christian. He lived next to me for 20 years. He edged his sidewalk every other day. <laughs> but he never told me about Jesus. See, Paul knew who he was, and if we're in Christ, we know who we are. Pastor Chad said it last week. Paul knew who he was and whose he was. He knew his identity and his security was in Jesus. He knew about his life before his encounter, where he was killing Christians, and he was na his name was Saul, and he knew his life after. I know my life before September 26, 2006, and it was dead and I know my life, in the moment I trusted Jesus, my life came alive. So where are you finding your hope? Where are you finding your security? Another reason we might not share the gospel, and this one's tough, we might not care. We might be so wrapped up in what we've got going on today that we don't take the time to look around. And maybe we're not praying for people who don't know Jesus. No worries. That's an easy fix too. We're going to pray that God gives us a heart for those who don't know him. You might not think it's your job. You might think, well, that's just the job of the pastors. No. <laughs> it's everybody's job. That's what Paul's telling us. It's for everyone and for everyone to speak. Now, if your pastors aren't doing it, that's a problem but everybody should be doing it. How about this one? You don't know anyone who doesn't know Jesus. You might be in just that holy huddle of Christians. Christian school, Christian church, Christian friends, Christian small group. It's time to get a bigger circle. And no worries. These aren't things to convict. These are, these are things that, to say, hey, let's just pray. God, bring some people into my life that don't know Jesus. It might be the person in the next cubicle. 
Maybe like James Griffin preached during Abide, you know a lot about Jesus, but you don't know him. Maybe there's been a lot of information put into your head, but not a lot of transformation. We can take care of that today too. And maybe, maybe you don't know anything about Jesus and you have no idea what I've been talking about for the last half hour. And that's okay, I love you. Maybe you came because your friend said, I'm gonna take you to Olive Garden after church. That's awesome. <laughs> that was me 12 years ago. I get that. But here's some encouragement for anyone who has already trusted in Jesus. And some of those things that might've been hard to hear, maybe those were excuses, but excuses up until now, because we're gonna burn those ships. We're gonna burn the ships of fear. We're gonna burn the ships of not caring. We're gonna burn the ships of not knowing anybody who doesn't know Jesus. And we're gonna go after it. And we're gonna go out of here today with eagerness, fresh eagerness and power entrusted to us with the gospel to be under obligation, to be eager and to be unashamed. Great, how do we do that? We gotta pray. That, that's, that's number one. We have to be praying for eagerness, boldness, opportunities, and awareness. Do you know how many times I'll leave a store or a restaurant having prayed in the morning, Lord, give me an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. The opportunity was presented, but I was so caught up on my own stuff, I missed it. So pray for awareness and be ready. Be ready to tell your story. Be ready to tell his story. Get it down to something that's, that's manageable, that's from your heart. Nobody can deny your own story. And then ask the question, will you? Will you trust in Jesus? That's, that's always the, the point where I, I think, I'm just gonna go home now. <laughs> but again, rejection is gonna happen, but there's blessing from that rejection. And then find an entry point. I love sports. I wear team gear. I wear my Clemson gear, so I have an entry point. I look for people wearing team gear. I know that I can start a conversation. A couple years ago when I was working for Clemson, hosting the pregame show for their football team, um, they won the national championship. And everybody on the broadcast team got one of these. And this is a, a national championship ring. It's a little, little blingy, I don't, I don't wear it. My wedding band is orange, but I don't wear this, but I keep it with me because it's an entry point. And you all have an entry point. It might not look like this championship ring, but you've got a championship ring. We were at a Hampton Inn in Livonia. I think I touched upon this story one time, but I never really told the whole the whole story. We're getting ready to go to the game and the Hampton Inn is packed with football fans and I'm in the lobby and I'm, I'm showing a bunch of folks this ring and, and I said, you know, you think that's cool? Let me tell you what happened when Jesus changed my life 12 years ago. And there was a Boston College fan standing right there and I kid you not, he starts to grumble and walk away. I wish Jesus would change my life. And I looked over at my wife and I went, I'll be right back. (laughs) And I literally chased him across the lobby to the waffle making machine. And I knew I only had two minutes before that that machine went boop. 
and his waffle would be done. I said, are you, are you serious? Do you want, or do you wish you would change your life? And he said, yes. And I said, all right, I'm going to tell you my story. I'm going to tell you his story. Then I'm going to ask you a question. And as he's crying into his waffle, he's trusting in Jesus. Again, not to, not to say that it's always going to happen like that, but what led to that was the entry point. So your entry point may be a passion that you have, something in common that you have with people. Maybe it is sports. Maybe your entry point is a wound. Maybe it's one of your scars. I can talk to the alcoholic because I was an alcoholic. I can talk to the drug addict because I was a drug addict. I can talk to somebody going through a divorce because before I was saved, I was divorced. Maybe God's put you in a place to take what was ugly and make it beautiful. To use your scar, your healing to heal somebody else. And just as God walks with us in our mess and he walked with me in my mess, maybe he's calling you to walk with somebody in their mess because you've been there. And that's your entry point. Not every conversation is going to lead to somebody trusting in Jesus, but seeds are planted. So who are your Greeks? Who are your barbarians? Who are your wise? Who are your foolish? My wife uses dogs. She loves dogs. She walks our dogs. She walks other people's dogs. She talks to people who are walking their dogs. Sometimes she even talks just to their dogs. <laughs> but she uses that as an entry point to invite them to church to tell people about Jesus. So find your entry point there. Find your championship ring. And just like, just like Paul, I can speak to my people. I can speak to the Jewish people. Born and raised. Bar mitzvahed. And I love the Jewish people. This is a moment today that I have been praying about for weeks. I want to talk directly to the Jewish people in the room right now and to those watching online. But I am scared. May not look it, but I am petrified because I'm afraid if you're here, you're going to leave. And I'm afraid if you're watching online, you're not going to watch again. And if you're my family watching online, I'm afraid you're not going to talk to me. But I am willing to take that risk because I care more about your soul than I care about what you think of me. And I may never get this opportunity again. And I don't want you to look at me in horror on your judgment day and say, you, you knew? I had a friend who used to walk around with a Bible under his arm. After I got saved, I called him. I said, why didn't you tell me? So if you're Jewish, The promised Messiah has come. More than just a conquering king to 
liberate our people from the tyranny of the Roman Empire for one generation. He came, he came as king and suffering servant to liberate all people for all eternity. And we have a choice to spend eternity with the Messiah who came to liberate us, or we can choose to spend eternity separated from the Messiah who came to liberate us. We don't know if we have 50 years left or 50 minutes. Everybody thinks they've got plenty of time before they die to make a decision. You wait until you die, you've already made a decision. It's a decision with eternal consequences though. We think we have our whole lives in front of us. We do. We just don't know how long that life is. So here are some questions. If you are Jewish, do you understand that all have sinned and that no one can measure up to the standard of a perfect God? And the good news is that God loves the Jewish people so much that he sent his son, the Messiah, to take that penalty so that you could have life with your heavenly father. Do you want to receive that gift? Are you still waiting for a sign? We don't have to wait any longer. It's all here. It's all here. And trusting in Yeshua, again, the Hebrew word for salvation, trusting in Yeshua is not a betrayal to our people. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Trusting in Yeshua is fulfillment of God's plan for all people, not a betrayal. And if you're not Jewish and you've been waiting, what are you waiting for? The gospel's for everyone. The power of God to take dead things and make them alive. It's not just good advice. And when Jesus was revealed to me, it not only freed me from the bondage of addiction, but brought me a life and a power in every aspect of my life, healed my broken heart, allowed a second chance at marriage. So if you or anyone else in this room watching online has not trusted in Jesus, Yeshua, close your eyes, everybody, let's pray. Father, and you can say this to yourself, this is what's so awesome. This is a life-changing, life-altering moment. You can pray this silently to yourself if you have not trusted in this before. Jesus, Yeshua, I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you were prophesied all through the Torah, all through the Old Testament. 
and now I get that I needed a savior and I can't do it on my own. I'm trusting in you for the forgiveness of my sins. I want to follow you. Will you save me? Keep your eyes closed. If that was you, if you just trusted in Jesus for the first time, this is the greatest day of your life. You're going to look back and you're going to have one of those moments that I had on September 26, 2006. So I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, not to single you out, but so that our prayer team can come over and give you a gift. Raise your hand as high as you can possibly get it. Sky high, don't be afraid. Raise it, thank you. Raise your hand, the greatest day of your life. And if you've already trusted in Jesus and some of these things that we shared this morning hit pretty close to home, I get that. I get the fear, I get the rejection. But if you haven't been out sharing the gospel because it just came to you and has not gone through you, let's pray for boldness and opportunity and eagerness and awareness. So we go out there unashamed and eager and under that obligation. Father, we, we love you and we pray for everybody in this room fearful of being rejected. Give us boldness and power and strength and the words to tell our story, your story, and then the boldness to ask the question, will you trust in Jesus? And let us take that power of the gospel that is available not just for our life transformation, but in every aspect of our life. And go out there with eagerness Give us eagerness. Remind us we're under obligation because of what you've done for us. And let us do this humbly and unashamed so that no one, Lord, looks up at us as you are passing judgment on them. No one looks up at us and says, you knew. We love you can't believe that we get to be a part of what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.